Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. 
you know, for context, for people that don't know me, my name is Justin Conoco. I'm in real estate and media. So I actually own a brokerage and a production company. And I used to be the production company and the agent and every single person in the organization um, and built it from the ground up with my beautiful wife, Shannon. A lot of people don't know who she is because she's the brains and the heartbeat of the organization. I feel like sometimes she's the smart one because she is not on social media at all. I'm the face of the business, but I, she's an operations wizard, MBA grad from the Richard Ivey School of Business. Um, so really our superpowers, I guess, would be systems, processes, building businesses. Um, and then I specialize in the branding, sales and marketing aspect, right? So how to create a boatload of content, use all of the tools and all of the things to get attention and execute on that attention. Today's gonna to be a really fun segment because I don't really do this on Clubhouse too, too often, and that is dive into my actual real estate skills. So I'm gonna be giving you a very in-depth presentation on how to negotiate an offer from start to finish. And this can be applied to absolutely anything. So don't care if you're buying a brand new table, you wanna negotiate a car, or you're buying a house specifically, this is gonna be framed around the context of purchasing a home. A lot of the pre-negotiation, negotiation, and post-negotiation strategies can be applied across the board. I'm gonna have a slide deck that I'm gonna drop after the segment as well too. So if you go to justinconico.com slash resources, you'll be able to get that. I will drop that link in the segment. At the very, very top right now though, what I'm gonna do is I'm going to change the link. Hold on one second here. And I'm gonna actually send you over to, hold on, pin link. Sorry, Clubhouse changed the app a little bit. YouTube, because what I do is I actually stream these segments live on my YouTube channel. So you can actually watch the replay. I talk super fast. I've got 30 minutes to walk through this segment, but it will live up there. Typically, I leave it up for about a week or so for the Breakfast with Champions family. And then I pull it down because I like having it as exclusive content. And also, I know my competitors are watching my channel and I want to make sure that you guys get something that nobody else can get. So if you click at the very, very top of the room right now, you can go over to my YouTube channel, hit that sub notification button, and you'll be in the chat. The really fun thing about this is you can actually jump in the chat right now if you're waiting for it to go live, tell us who you are and where you're from. You'll see lots of Breakfast with Champions people in the room. You can connect with them and I'll actually give you a shout out as well. I'll pull, pull your name up on our channel and that's a really good way for you to grow your own brand and just name out there. A lot of people are wondering, how do I do it? It's literally tactical. It is putting your hand up. It is getting involved in the conversation. And often I will go back and sub and support your channels as well, because this is all about community. So I'm going to go live here in three, two, and there's C-Rock. What's up, C-Rock? Good morning, everybody. We are in Breakfast with Champions on Clubhouse, where we are about to dive into a in-depth presentation on how to, how to prepare a strong offer, literally the pre-negotiation, the negotiation, and post-negotiation strategies that I've used over the past decade plus thousands of transactions at this point to find success for my clients. Now, who am I? My name is Justin Conical. I will share my screen, share a little bit about who I am. This is Grand Bend, Ontario, southwestern coast of Canada. I love photography. I took this photo of the pier. Yes, we have beaches in Canada. There's incredible fishing up here as well. And this lake, yes, does freeze in the wintertime. So if you want to see what that looks like, follow my stories. It's pretty entertaining to see how this shifts over the years. This is my actual website. So if you want to connect with me, you can go to justinconico.com. It's a silly little picture of me. And I've built my business by getting around people like Sirhan and other people that have shown me how to 
just rocket my business forward by executing some simple things. And I'm going to pass that along to you. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I will get around them and I will share everything that I know. Something important to share is I am not for sale. So I don't sell any courses. I'm not recruiting. My brokerage actually has a waiting list of real estate agents, which is kind of weird in the real estate I, business. I want you to say the word yet, please, when you say those phrases. Yes. Well, well, I, I've got something for you. Actually, so Kim Walsh Phillips is actually in my ear on Clubhouse and asking about, you know, why don't I sell courses yet? I'm kind of taking the Alex Hormozzi strategy of really just building that thought leadership, giving away all my best stuff for free because the relationships I'm looking for are in a different place than the individual, say, course purchases I would get right now. So high level, if you're watching this video and you're looking for a house anywhere on the planet, one way you could support me is by sending me that referral and saying, hey, I need an amazing agent in Naples. I need somebody in Colorado, Israel, UK. I have those networks. I'm a Sirhan Global Ambassador, one of out of seven out of 10,000 plus agents globally. I'm one of the McGilvery trusted real estate agents, Scott McGilvery from the TV show Income Property. Been working with him for close to a decade. And I'm also in the Tom Ferry ecosystem. So I've got access to some insane networks that are not just reliant on my logo. So the next thing you can do as well is on my resources page, I'm actually going to share this slide deck that I'm about to go through. So I'm actually going to walk through an entire agreement of purchase and sale, how I think about offer strategies, some tips that may help you get a house at a better price. You can use this to kill a deal on your own. Um, and if you want these resources, just go on to justinconico.com slash resources. I will drop that on Clubhouse in the pinned link as well. And that'll get you on my mailing list and I'll blast this out hopefully by Monday. Um, one thing that I could definitely use is some guidance on finding a full-time executive assistant to help me with this stuff, but I will get it out, I promise. Let's get right into it. So preparing a strong offer. Now for context, this is Southwestern Ontario. This is the Aurea Standard Agreement of Purchase and Sale. But if you're doing any type of negotiation for real estate, you have to have the same considerations almost no matter where you are. That is price, that is closing date, that is deposit, that is the chattels, and then the conditions. That forms most of the context of the offer. Now, I have to say that I'm not a lawyer. Don't play one on TV. Always make sure that you're working with professionals. I would always encourage a lawyer review clause if you can get it in your contract. Make sure you're working with a specialist too. I have seen disasters of lawyers redlining and sending me back contracts that like I almost have to rewrite for that lawyer because they don't specialize in that type of real estate. Another very unique thing about Prime, we're one of the only brokerages on the planet that does every class of real estate. So typically you're dealing with like just a residential brokerage or just a commercial brokerage or just an investment brokerage. We literally do residential, commercial investments, agriculture, recreational properties, new development, land acquisition, and private funding. So I have interestingly seen how the dynamics of that works across all asset classes. So the very first thing that I'm going to say is when you're working with somebody, you need to make sure that you're connecting with a realtor and a power team that knows that product. I'll caveat this by saying, I'm not for sale, like I said earlier in this video. I'm not thirsty for business. I'm very selective about the clients that I work with. So be cautious about the realtors that are just thirsty for business and saying, yes, I'll work with you. And yes, I can totally do that. Make sure that they actually have a track record in it and they can talk the talk. That's ultra, ultra important. So the factors to consider in structuring an offer are much more than just price. Everybody thinks it's just price. Price to me is actually... It's important, but it's not the most important because all of the other factors basically boil down to like the net effective deal. 
because I can tell you that you're going to pay, call it a million dollars for a property. But what if you're doing a two year close and, you know, the carrying costs for that seller end up costing them an extra 150 and $200,000. Well, maybe they're actually only getting $800,000 as a seller. So the actual closing date matters more than you may think. The deposit amount matters as well to the price irrevocability period. So the irrevocability period is how long you have to accept an offer. So if I send an offer to Kim and we're negotiating and I'm saying, hey, Kim, my sellers want to put an offer a million dollars for that beautiful property that you have. It's irrevocable until 5 p.m. That means her clients can accept it up until 5 p.m. If she signs it back at 501, it's a dead deal. Doesn't classify as an offer anymore. If they change offer and they strike it out and they initial it, it's no longer a valid offer anymore. So understand that timestamps matter in the digital age more than any because we can actually timestamp based off DocuSign, AuthentiSign. And I've seen case law where it comes back and there's a dispute amongst the closing and like one initial was done at the wrong time and it completely invalidates the contract. Now it comes down to the contract, the way it was written. And you know, there's a lot of considerations beyond that, but I would be, be respective of the irrevocability times. The clauses that you include in a contract could be inspection, financing, you can have clauses for almost anything you imagine on some of our large, complex commercial transactions. Our clauses could be due diligence, environmentals. It could be zoning, you know, looking for zoning amendments. It could be very complex, but I've also seen $10 million plus deals with one general due diligence clause because seller doesn't really care what you're doing. They just want to give you the time to actually do it. And then the conditional period. So if you accept my offer, Kim, how long I have to get my actual due diligence done. Keep in mind when drafting an offer, you need to understand the seller's motivation to sell. It's not always about the price and the strength of your offer may have more to do with the construction of the contract than it actually has to do with the highest offer price. There's an interesting phenom, phenom sorry, in real estate called wholesaling. And what wholesaling is, is if you drive around your town and you see thousands of signs saying, we'll buy your house for cash, typically those people are going to say, hey, you don't have to touch your house. You don't have to pay real estate fees. Call me, I'll buy your house and you know, make it super, super easy. You don't have to have showings and open houses. The business model there is either they're typically investors looking to find under market properties, right? So if you're a seller and you call them and you could have got a million dollars, they'll buy it for like 700 or 800. And if you're okay with that, go for it. If you don't know that you could have gotten more, that's a different story. Sometimes what they'll do though, is they'll tie up the deal, maybe at 800 or 700. And they don't actually want to close on it. They actually want to sell it to somebody else and then assign that contract for a profit. The reason I kind of go through that whole story is the seller's motivation in that scenario is quite often very different than a seller that just wants to go to market and get the highest price. So understanding seller motivation is absolutely critical. How can you do that? It is the pre-offered due diligence. And this is where my strategy over the last decade has been to keep insanely good relationships with the other realtors and people in our community as well. My content strategy is such that I want to make sure when my name shows up on the phone, whether it be a buyer, seller, or another real estate agent, it comes with a certain level of authority, respect, and trust that maybe some other people don't have. Case in point, yesterday I was negotiating a deal and I had an in-depth conversation with a real estate agent about content creation. He's a direct competitor, but it doesn't scare me. It actually encourages me to do more content, yet we're discussing a deal. Right. And we're, we're trying to get to the nuts and bolts of getting an actual deal done for my clients. The interaction that we had is very different 
than just texting or emailing that agent and saying, hey, are you going to send an offer? Yes. How much would your clients take? There's no actual interaction. And I was able to find a lot more out about his buyer's motivations. He tried to find out more about my seller's motivations. And that's where negotiation and strategy comes in. The closing date matters very, very much if the property is vacant or are they going to have to give notice to the tenants if it's, say, an investment property or are they requesting a specific closing date? I'm going to go back to the pre-offer negotiation strategy. And when I'm talking to agents, even from when I actually book my first showing, I'm in negotiations, right? So if I book a showing for now, now Kim's my buyer. So if I book a showing for Kim Walsh Phillips, I'm showing her incredible lakefront properties at Grand Bend and I'm booking five. When I'm booking those properties, I'm calling those agents and I'm trying to figure out the story. Man, it's a gorgeous property. Why are they selling? Like the beach is amazing. And, and I can usually find out the context of those stories before I even get to the showing. Now, mum's the word, and I try and not give any of my cards away when I'm calling them about my buyers. But if you are strategic in the right questions and compiling the right information and taking notes in your CRM, when it actually comes time to offer date, you can reference those notes and typically have a leg up in the negotiation. And sometimes finding somebody that isn't motivated to sell right now at all, but understands creative financing. We'll get to that at the end of this presentation. I'll actually show you a case study where I got a million dollar vendor take back mortgage for a client of mine and he made a million dollars on that property. I'll show you that deal at the very, very end. The deposit, this varies wildly. I know we have a global platform on this YouTube channel. Um, so I'm not really gonna go into context of saying, you know, what a deposit would be in your market. Suffice it to say, before the pandy and you know even during the crazy sellers market it would be approximately one percent of the purchase price so if it was a seven hundred thousand dollar property you would typically be you know seven grand it got up to about three to four percent in some of our crazy primary markets so toronto was doing five to six percent on specific deals and you would have to go in if you were literally no conditions no appraisal contingency you were up against 50 offers the one thing you could do is come in with an insane deposit because what that would mean is if you fail to close, they get to keep that deposit. Now let's go through what a seller's market looks like and what was actually happening during that time. In Canada, people were coming in with all cash offers and all cash simply meant that they didn't have a financing contingency. Very big difference between Kim Walsh Phillips showing up with a bag of cash and actually paying for a property with cash and not taking out a mortgage and Uncle Jimmy saying, I'm not putting a financing contingency in and I'm all cash and then actually having to go get a mortgage because here's something that a lot of people don't know. The financing in Canada will depend on the appraisal. So the bank, you may be pre-qualified. The bank actually doesn't care about you. They care about the risk of you not closing on the property. So they may qualify you up to a million dollars, but if you go firm on a deal, no appraisal contingency, no financing condition, and then the bank before closing orders an appraisal, and that million dollar property that you bought, they tell you is worth, eh, they're only going to lend you on 700. You got to come up with $300,000 to close. And if you're that stretched for cash, you might not have the $300,000. So the risk for a seller, and a lot of sellers don't understand this, is if the deposit isn't enough or you haven't vetted the buyers and you're not working with an agent that understands that, you are actually at risk because you may miss one of the best selling seasons being tied up on a deal and then that person fails to close. Another strategy I want to share with you is understanding that when somebody's going to fail to close, the solvency and the skills of the person you're working with matter so much. I referenced finding a good lawyer and a good real estate agent. We have had over the last three or four months, case after case, 
where we would get a call from the agent saying my client's not going to close. And that's because the market's shifted. Everybody knows it, right? We were February, March was absolute seller's market. We've had a big increase in inventory. Prices have stabilized. I think it's healthy for the market. I think everybody needed this to happen to a certain degree. And buyers are like, well, I bought this in February, March for a million dollars. It's worth 700 now. My deposit's only 50. I'm just going to walk away from the deal and lose my 50. That makes sense, right? Not if you call Justin because, hey, Uncle Jimmy. Yeah, no, I totally understand. They, they don't want to close. Okay. So they're going to lose the 50. I'm going to relist the property for 700. We're going to sue you for the $300,000 difference. And my client bought a property in Toronto. She put down 60K. She's going to delay the close. So you're okay. So just tell your client he's probably going to be on the hook for about a half a million dollars in damages. Okay. Guess what Uncle Jimmy does? They find a way to close. So understanding the scope of what that looks like and my ability to reach out to the lawyers and work through case law and understand with the lawyers how I can be their partner and get people motivated to close is another negotiation tip for you. I'm getting in deep today. If you want the slide deck, just hit my website, justinconico.com. Go to the resources section. I'll send this out to you. If you're live on Clubhouse, because we stream every single Friday, 7 a.m. to 7.30, you can go to the top of the room if you want to join the YouTube live. I'm actually going to stop the screen share for one quick second. I'm going to go into the chat. I see Cheryl Solheim. Good morning, Breakfast with Champions. Olivier Maurice, he's actually an amazing commercial real estate broker in Montreal. If you're looking for somebody, give him a show. Tell him I sent you. He actually sells churches and some of the craziest properties. I see James. Good morning, Linda. Dream, plan, start, go. I see Wendy. I see Queen B. There's a lot of you here. Debbie Dowling, good morning. Living in Castle Rock, Colorado. Man, I love this. I absolutely love that the comments are blowing up. And one of my favorite people on the planet, DM, Dora Maria Brew. She crushes the stage on Breakfast with Champions. Go give her a follow and subscribe to her YouTube channel. This is a community. This channel is my way of giving back. Sometimes I don't feel like I should be in the position that I'm in. I was an absolute mess. If I can do what I did and God gave me the ability to get where I am today, I really just want to pay it forward and show you that you can learn all this stuff yourself. Everything on this channel is built around branding, marketing strategy. I do deep dives into how I do my productivity, how I manage all the businesses, and all the resources are free. Never asking you for anything on this channel. So I'm going to go right back to the actual screen share. We've got about 10 minutes left to get through the balance of the offer strategy negotiation. So the purchase price, the one that everybody thinks is number one in an offer. So let's get deep on the purchase price. So the first question you got to ask yourself is how long has the property been on the market? A lot of people think just because the property has been on the market for 30 or 40 days that they can lowball that property like nobody's business. Now we're entering the actual negotiation piece when you structure the contract, understand how you approach the negotiation may dictate whether or not you even get the property. Because put yourself in the seller's shoes. They may not think you're a serious buyer if you're just taking lowball shots at everything and seeing what sticks. Now, I have other investors that will write 20, uh, 30 offers a month because they want to find the motivated. And the way they do it is they just paper offers. You don't really get a sense of where a seller's at until you put an actual offer on paper. Verbal offers mean nothing. Any verbal communication between you and the agent mean nothing. In a court of law, unless it's in a contract, it's not gonna hold up. So understand that from just a negotiation strategy perspective, get everything in writing, put it in the email if you can, but make sure it's in the actual contract. What are the actual comparables selling for? This is a bit of a moving target because I can't look at comps at February or March and say it's gonna sell for that. I need to make adjustments for the market. Now I stay in the market and I'm an expert on the stats so I can tell you almost depending on the area what the adjustment price would be from the February, March. 
area and price point, but I'm actually looking at the most recent sales, the most comparable properties in the most recent timeframes. So there's a crash course in appraisals for you. When an appraiser comes to your house, it, they're the house right next door to yours that's identical that sold last week. They are happy as a fig in a puddle. The Glenda Baker is a friend of mine. That is totally her, her saying, so I'll credit her for that. The reason is it makes their job super easy. They know that realistically, if another buyer is coming to purchase that property, that's the price that that buyer is going to pay. I tend to specialize in selling the most random stuff you've ever met. So I need to look at what is a buyer that's looking at a $2 million off-grid log home with 100 acres of bush looking at in southwestern Ontario and then build my model based off that. I could do another session on comparables if you wanted. Are there other people interested in the property? So this is a bit of a moving target. It comes down to relationships as well. So if you know you're working with honest agents, um, you can also, when you go to a showing, see are there a whole bunch of real estate cards on the table that will tell you how many people have been through the property. If it's been listed for a long time and there's 100 cards, it could mean nobody's interested. They just left the cards. But if it's the first, second, or third day of the listing, there's a lot of activity. There's probably interest. And then are they expecting multiple offers? Something I didn't mention is I sit on the professional standards board I have for almost five years. Um, MLS advisory and brokerage advisory in Canada, it's against the law to say there's a phantom offer. So you can actually get fined, I believe it's $15,000 plus and potentially lose your license if you're an agent that says, I have an offer on this property and you don't. That actually came around in 2017. Probably not the case everywhere. People lie. So you need to take everything with a grain of salt. But if somebody tells me that they actually have an offer, I'll ask them in Canada, is it a registered offer? Because that's very different than saying, oh, we have a verbal offer. And depending on the agent that I'm dealing with, I'm going to have different perspectives on what they're telling me. Then the clauses so and cash offers. So I'm going to talk about both of these. Cash offers apply more to the seller's market that I told you about. There's 50 offers on a property. The seller's really sitting high and mighty. Not the case these days. So we can do another segment strictly on buyer's market. But you want to watch out for assignment clauses. That's the wholesaler thing saying, hey, I'm going to buy your house, grandma, and you know, I'm going to pay you this price. And then they tie it up for six months and flip it to somebody else. Means they can assign the contract to another party. Assignment clauses aren't always a bad thing. So a lot of our investors will open corporations for buildings they buy. So if they buy a 30, 40, 50 unit building, they're going to put it under the name of the building, 123 Main Street for anonymity. Uh, but a lot of times you can actually do that assignment to the corporation without the clause and it'll make sellers feel a certain way. So if I'm the buying agent and the listing agent's a rookie and he sees an assignment clause and he doesn't know how to explain it or doesn't understand who I am, that seller may make an assumption or a narrative about me that I'm a wholesaler and not even want to deal with me. Marketing before possession. So if you get a property and you're looking for vacant possession, maybe it's an Airbnb, maybe it's an investment property, you can actually insert clauses allowing you to market that property before possession. Interesting trend. I'm selling properties these days that come with an Instagram account. I've sold top rated Airbnb, like properties that have won awards. I actually have one coming up that is, I have a, two buildings coming up that are like showpiece properties that have built in Instagram accounts and actually have a tenant cycle built into the Instagram account. I would sell those with a marketing before possession clause in there. Vacant um, possession. So in Ontario, again, I'm going to stick to kind of Ontario law. The RTA is very strong. So if you know, there's a tenant living in a property and somebody that tenant will basically is it, somebody, some people call them rent evictions. What that means is somebody's going to renovate a property in Ontario. The tenant actually has first right of refusal to come back before anybody else at the same price they were paying. So rent evictions aren't really the thing. A lot of landlords aren't necessarily honest about it, but if you call a paralegal, you can actually get a lot back in terms of if you got rent evicted illegally. 
The second way is if I actually physically move into the property. Again, if I lie to you and I don't actually physically move into the property, I could be liable. The third is cash for keys. So if you go to a tenant and you say, I'm going to pay you $25,000 to leave or $10,000 to leave or whatever that price is that you guys agree, and that tenant signs an N11, then you get proper vacant possession. The way that we do it is we depend on the situation. We're very tenant friendly. These are human beings. I have dealt with hoarders and everything you could possibly imagine empathetically to help them find the right situation, work with property managers, housing to get them situated and put them in positions where they've had a windfall of money and put them with people that can show them how to use that money to actually get into home ownership, right? So, but now you have a vacant property. What does that look like in terms of closing with vacant possession? One fun fact about the Ontario Agreement of Purchase and Sale, the standard language says that the seller has to provide vacant possession. So if you don't have any clauses in the Schedule A superseding that, you just signed a contract saying you're gonna provide vacant possession. And if you have a tenant that's not leaving, you could be on the hook. So I'm diving into some of the complexities of the contract. The moral of the story here when it comes to offer strategy is understand that you need somebody educated that knows this stuff, that can explain it to you. I do not mind paying for expertise because if you, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, you should see how expensive it is to hire an amateur. Let me go to the next section. Conditions in a seller's market. A lot of times in Canada, it was the Wild West. I kind of wish we were a little bit more like the States in terms of the appraisal contingencies. You guys have this term called appraisal gap I learned about being on Clubhouse and masterminding with other agents. Doesn't exist in Canada. Like we were dealing with the seller's market. We're good luck getting a uh, financing, a inspection condition or anything in a contract. So you signed a deal, you're closing. So you go to your agent and be like, well, what's this worth? Be like, mm, here's what I think it's worth. What it came down to is me having good relationships with the appraisers and doing my homework before we did the deal. Where is this going to appraise? And I've seen deals where I told clients like, fantastic, it sold for 1.2. It's not going to appraise over a million dollars. Here's the high watermark. The buyer can make the decision on the opportunity cost for themselves within a high watermark of where they see the value. But my job is to really help them understand what that is. From the inspection perspective, what we were doing in a seller's market was called a pre-inspection. So an inspection in our area could cost you anywhere from 500 to to $1,000, maybe more if it's a large commercial property. But that's like the full health report of the property and a nice binder that you get when you close with all discount codes for all kinds of stuff and appliance codes and stuff. What I would do when I was buying properties is I would tell my inspector, hey, I don't need a report on every property because I'm going to have to write 10 offers to get one accepted. What I want you to do is I want to do a visual inspection with you. I want to look at the building envelope. I want to look at the foundation, the roof, the structure of the property. I want to go inside and I want to look at all the mechanicals. I want to look at the plumbing, the electrical. I want to look for latent defects and code violations and anything that would be a red flag, asbestos, galvanized piping. I can go on and on and on. But those are the things I want to know about. I may still have to pay full price for the property and not get that negotiated off, but I want to know about it because that affects my net effective deal. So that's one way to deal with it in a seller's market. In a buyer's market, just flip that script and assume that you could probably get an inspection and financing contingency in there. Just make sure you're using a good inspector and a good financing person. Three negotiation strategies, bully offers, red herrings, double offers. A bully offer is being able to get in before an actual offer date on a property. A red herring is putting things in the contract you don't really care about to get what you want. So maybe a super long closing and a higher price or flipping it the other way and doing a short closing with a much lower price because you want the lower price. And double offer is actually putting two offers in front of somebody so that they can choose which one is beneficial for them. 
you need to make sure you work through the complexities of what that looks like from an irrevocability standpoint. I would not recommend putting two offers on multiple properties and just tying up multiple properties with no intent to close. You could run into some issues there, but other factors to consider, emotional sellers not wanting to sell to investors, multiple offer situations, conditional periods, and additional requests. So again, going back to the emotions piece that I spoke about earlier, understanding the end game of the seller or the buyer is super important before you actually get to the strategy piece. The case study I promised, this was a property that was asking 1.3 million, listed for two years, I think. We gave them two offers to gauge motivation, price or terms. One offer was a $1 million offer cash, 60 day close and conditional inspection only. Offer two was 1.1 million, a VTB, 90 day closing conditional inspection. They countered both offers back at 1.2 million with a VTB or 1.1 cash. So basically we get a $100,000 discount if we just took the cash offer. We counter back at 1.15 million with a $50,000 deferred bonus upon refinance. So we paid 1.2, we actually paid $100,000 more for the vendor financing because my guy was able to lock in a vendor take back mortgage. So he didn't need to go to the bank for the mortgage. The vendor just didn't get all of his cash on closing, but he locked up a three-year term at 399. My guy was actually able to go into this property. He was able to get the value up, refinance for 2.2, and then actually pay out the lender, made a million dollars on the property, didn't lift a finger on this property because he had that flexible financing. Suffice it to say, there's a lot of components that come into the way that you structure an offer from the beginning to the absolute end. I hope this provided some value to you. If you want the slide deck for free, just go to justinconico.com slash resources. I'll try and get it out by Monday. If you wanna connect with me personally, go to my Instagram, justin.conico. I answer all my messages myself. If you wanna find me, I'm always in breakfast with champions on Clubhouse, but I gotta go because we've got another segment and I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.